Alright, alright, NBA QuickPod is locked and loaded for Tuesday, November the 15th. Mackenzie Rivers, NBA betting expert, is in the house. I'm your host, Sleepy J, today. I've gone through the NBA card for Tuesday. I have to go ahead and convince Mackenzie here with my best handicaps. I'll go ahead and handicap a side total and a player prop. Mackenzie will go ahead and he'll grade those handicaps and he'll pick which one he believes is best on a scale of 1 to 10. Then Mac will go ahead and buy one of my picks and that'll be our suggested pick for the day. Mac, we've been on a roll here uh, with our player props. I'm going to start it out here though with my side play. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take the New Orleans Pelicans minus the three points. Consensus line here, Mac. Pretty much three and a half, but there are plenty of threes out there, so go ahead and gobble those up. This number's wrong. It was wrong at two and a half, and that's why the Pelicans are being bet. It's wrong at three. It's still wrong at three and a half. You know, say what you want about the Grizzlies. They are not the same team without Desmond Bain on the floor. He's probably one of those guys that most bettors completely have wrong when it comes to the value with the betting line. I was wrong. I could easily admit that. Desmond Bain is probably worth three points to the betting line. And the market, I don't believe that they'll ever see him as that. But the fact that he's in between Paul George and LeBron James right now when it comes to scoring points per game, I believe we have to take a hard look at how good is this guy. He's 92% from the free throw line, 45% from the three-point line. And you want to talk about you know, maybe the most underrated player in the league? I think we have to take a hard look here at Desmond Bain. Without him, even with Ja back, I don't think this Grizzlies team is the same. We often talk about how good this Grizzlies team is, even without John Morant. Now we could actually probably talk about how bad this Grizzlies team is without Desmond Bain. The reason the Grizzlies are actually good without John Morant is Desmond Bain. Pelicans, in my opinion, they're the better team all around, and they're at home here. They have an opportunity to put back-to-back wins together, which is actually something that they haven't done since game one and two of the season. Now look, Zion's questionable. But I think he probably will play tonight. If he does, I think this line should probably be Pelicans minus five. But I think the market right now is very wrong on Desmond Bain. So I'm going to go ahead, Mac. I'm going to take the Pelicans here minus the three points. And I think maybe with Bain being out, maybe you want to take a look maybe at Morant points over. It's going to be high, so it's it's tough to pull the trigger on that. But my pick here, Mac, Pelicans minus three. I'm curious where you have Desmond Bain in your ratings. I'm guessing you did not have him worth three points to the betting line. Not high enough is where I had him because looking at some of his numbers, yeah, he probably is worth three points to the betting line. I had him at one and a half. Uh, I did, you know, mentally tick him up because he's more important without Jaron Jackson Jr. There, he becomes the Grizzlies' second most important player if he's not that already. But going to my trusty site, Dunks and Threes here, yeah, might be low on Desmond Bain. He's currently the 20th best player in the league according to their metrics plus four points to an average team. So you, even with your plus three points, which seems crazy, might even be light with how well he's playing. Very good handicap. I thought you thought that one very well through. I'm going to stamp that a 7.8. All right, good stuff. Feel pretty happy about that. I had him a little less than you there, Mac. I had him like 1.3. And I'm looking, I'm like, I'm wrong. And and if the market feels anywhere near the way I feel and the way that, that you're feeling, then... I can only assume that this number is completely wrong. So it's the Pels for me here. I think we're going to start talking about, you know, how bad this Grizzlies team is, you know, without Desmond Bain on the floor. And he's out for two to three weeks with a big toe injury. And I think this is where the Grizzlies are going to struggle. And if your team total uh, ticket is in your pocket, I would honestly, I would be a little bit worried about that, especially if tonight's result bears out, you know, to what we just said on this podcast. Here's my total play there, Mac. First half Mavericks over. 
53 and a half. Yes, we have two slow-paced teams on the floor that are obviously defensive-oriented type teams. This line to me looks like it's being based off of two teams that are coming off rest. But the Clippers just played last night. So I do wonder how their defense will go ahead and start out this game. This is a sorry-ass handicap there, Mac, but I made my total for this game 215. So, like I said, not the greatest handicap. I feel like at 212, this is based off two rests and teams. So I'm going to go ahead and play the Mavericks over the team that just played last night in the first half, 53 and a half. That's my total play. I don't know if you're going to like that one. Taking an arrow out of my quiver, criticizing your own handicap. That's next level. Now I'm like sympathetic, but I'm also like a little angry. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, It did seem kind of thin. Pretty much the Clippers are on a back-to-back, and they're not going to play any defense. That might not be wrong, though. I'm going to stamp that whole handicap 7.3. All right, 7.3. It was half-assed, and, you know, we got to be truthful and admit when we're uh, not putting in our full effort. So I'm going to feel even worse here, but I'm telling you, I like this one a lot. So here's my player prop. This handicap will even be shorter. You know, barring a blowout tonight in the Blazers and Spurs game, I would strongly suggest you play Keldon Johnson over his points. My gut feeling says that his line comes out right around 20 and a half, 21 and a half. Here's the thing. He only played 19 minutes last night. If you watch the Spurs against the Warriors, it wasn't even close. It was one of the worst games that the Spurs played all year and by far the best game that the Warriors put together last night. He only played 19 minutes last night. He played less minutes than all the starters and less minutes than four of the bench players. I've seen this act before from Popovich. He will play Keldon Johnson tonight for 35 minutes if this game was within 15 points. So this is not a play on Keldon Johnson. This is not a play, you know, that that's, you know, anti-Blazers. This is a pure volume play. And I believe the market is going to look at this and just say, no problem. 20 and a half, 21 and a half, Keldon Johnson. No big deal. We'll set him where he's where we normally set him. But his volume is going to be high tonight. And Trey Jones was out yesterday, and there's a chance he might be out again tonight. Even if Trey Jones plays, I'm telling you that Keldon Johnson is going to be on the floor for a lot of minutes, and he's going to put up a lot of shots tonight. So I would buy this up to 22 and a half if there's some wise guys out there thinking the way that I'm thinking. But I'm telling you, Keldon Johnson, over 20 and a half, 21 and a half. It's a very good play for his points prop. That's where I'm at with that, Mac. That's my prop. What do you think? I think that's a pretty good handicap, actually, where you're saying this number is going to be right where it is, but there's reason to think that it's going to be a more competitive, more all-in effort from the Spurs than usual. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Popovich, maybe his last year, doesn't want to get blown out twice in a row. You mentioned it. Minus 37 last night against the Warriors. Their worst performance of the season. Well, actually... They were minus 43 once against the Raptors, responded the next day with a nip and tuck game against the Clippers. So I kind of see that. I kind of see this going down to the wire, even if they can't cover the eight. They're at least going to be in it all 48 minutes. They're the kind of team that comes back. So I'm going to stamp this. I think think you improved a little more nuance, a little more detail. I'm going to stamp this one as a 7.9. Scratch that. I'm going to stamp this as a 7.7, meaning I'm going to go with your original pick on the Pelicans. I will buy the Pelicans, laying the three, good up to three and a half. It was close with the Keldon Johnson prop. I'm going to go with the Pelicans. I'm going to buy that. 
All right, I'm not surprised, and I'm not upset at that at all. Our player props have been kicking ass if you guys haven't been following along. But I do feel very, very strong about the Pelicans pick there, Mac. So I'm quite happy that you went ahead and stamped that one at 7.9. So Mac's going to go ahead by the Pelicans minus the three. Mac, you have a hot topic for today. What are we looking at? Yeah, you talked about the Warriors with their get-right game against the Spurs winning by 37. Well, that was at home. That was their sixth win at home, and I know it was their sixth win at home because they have zero wins on the road, and they're currently 6-8. and eight. So they're 0-7 straight up on the road, 1-6 ATS, and that got me thinking. Defending champions are probably the most attractive ticket for any opponent coming into your venue. Makes a lot of sense that the, not only the team, but the crowd, the environment would be raucous with a chance to knock off the defending champions early in the season. So I'm like, this probably isn't so unusual. Teams coming off, uh, winning it all, playing on the road early in the season, maybe they could drop a couple. To my surprise, the numbers did not bear out my theory. So the Warriors really bad this year on the road to start out, 0-7 straight up, 1-6 ATS. Before them, the last 14 seasons, defending champions in their first 15 games, so it's the same as the Warriors pretty much, were 64%. They were 50 and 28 and 2 ATS first 15 games of the season nothing but on the road after winning a championship so that got me thinking even more so what is it about this Warriors team this complacency well we know about their bench situation they just sent James Wiseman to the G League he wasn't the solution at backup center that they thought they were going to have so they have some more turmoil than the average defending champion from a roster perspective but I also think it's just unique to this team that they more than most champions see the big picture, see the 82-game season. So I looked, and if you just, just look at the Warriors, after they win a championship, this is their fourth one, here's their ATS results. So the first time they won it in 2015, they come back 5-1 ATS their first 15 games. To overall, first six games in a row, they were 5-1 ATS. The next time they win a championship, 2017, they were 4-2. All right, so a little bit worse, from 83% to 67%. Next time they win a championship, they were 2-4 and four. ATS. Now they're 1-6 ATS, so literally like a stair step. Every single time they win a championship, the next season they do worse on the road. And by the way, their one ATS win came with Steph Curry on the bench, Klay Thompson on the bench, Draymond Green on the bench, as 10.5-point road favorites to the Pelicans. They lost by like 10. So literally every single game they've been disappointing or maybe with their backups slightly meeting expectations. I'm not sure what to make of this. The team has obviously responded uh, by benching, you know, a guy that was playing 20 minutes a game and James Wiseman and Moody also. Tomorrow night, they're at Phoenix. They got blown out last time they were at Phoenix a couple weeks ago. I lean to the Warriors, want to do some more work into the game, but I feel like this is their put their foot in the ground. This has become too long, too much of a story. Seven straight games on the road they've lost. They lost to the Kings last time out. Then again, these numbers are pretty stark. No other defending champion has done this poorly to start the season on the road. Maybe they're, maybe that lackadaisicalness uh, will persist and yeah, it's something to, it's something to consider. Again, I don't have the answer on this one, but the road troubles very a characteristic of a championship team and very characteristic of this Warriors team we'll see where it goes from here what do you think of it it's hard to really drill down on a, on a real answer 
you know, with the Warriors' struggles on the road. I think one thing that was kind of weird about last night's game there, Mac, it was the Warriors' best game of the year, and Clay Thompson didn't play. And Jordan Poole played his best game of the year. True. And I was watching the rotations because that's something that you and I talked about, you know, over probably the last couple conversations we had about the Warriors. And it didn't look like they changed a whole hell of a lot up, you know, based on last night. But I think one of the things that we maybe want to look at, you know, how do how do teams play after they beat like a Warriors team? Like that's the number one team in the league. Like that's everybody's measuring stick, right? How do they play if after they beat them? You know, do do they come down to earth? Like does it have like this weird adverse reaction? You know, do they come down to earth and, and completely fall off thinking like, yeah, we're the greatest team in the league? Or do they go back out and do they play really well? I'd like to see, you know. Well, I got some numbers. I got some numbers. Let's stay right there. This season, only this season, after you play the Warriors, you're four and eight ATS. So, you know, a lot of teams a little fat and happy after they get one of these covers against the Warriors early on. And I guess the other the other end of the spectrum with that, McKenzie, would be how do you play after you beat, let's say, the league's worst team? Right. That I think that number is something that would be interesting, too. And, you know, looking, you know, because they do that in the NFL, too, you know, where you, we could see right now that the Rams have a target on their back. Everybody wants to beat that team. That's their measuring stick, even though they, you know, they stink this year, but. Um, it's an inter- interesting conversation that you know that we can have, and I think we could get you know dig in and find some pretty good numbers. But as the season goes along, I'm sure Mac and I will be digging into plenty of fun stuff for you guys. But that'll wrap up uh, this edition of the NBA Quick Podcast. Make sure you guys check out Mackenzie and I uh, podcast tonight. Probably be available early in the morning. That'll be on RJ Bell's Dream Preview Podcast feed, and we'll be releasing our Wednesday Five contest. That will be posted in the pregame.com forum. You certainly do not want to miss out on that. You guys can go ahead and win a little bit of cash. Make sure you follow Mackenzie and I on Twitter at SleepyG underscore pregame at Mac and Rivers. Make sure you guys like, subscribe to the podcast. Please leave a review. Those type of things help us out and give us motivation to go ahead and do more. With all that said, that'll wrap up the quick pod for today. I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck for NBA Tuesday. Enjoy the games.